This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. When you shop at a Walmart Vision Center, you get it. You know that you'll spend a little less on stylish glasses for the whole family. Welcome to the Vision Center. Let me know if you need help finding the perfect frames. Hey, Mom, you were right. These glasses are cool. Hon, they take our insurance. That means Papa's getting a new pair, too. Whoa, glasses start at just $39. Next stop, groceries. So you can get a little more of what you need. Find a Vision Center near you. Save money, live better. Walmart. This podcast is proudly in association with Pitch Sport Football, the app that allows you to interact with other West Ham fans, pick your starting eleven, and participate in fan time videos. This app is absolutely free, so like I've done, like Hex has done, and like thousands of other West Ham fans have done, get this downloaded if you haven't already. That's Pitch Sport Football. You're listening to the West Ham Way podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi. Hello everyone and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself Dave Walker and serial YTK blogger XWHU employee. Saturday saw the first game that we were expected to win since the opening day against Newcastle and win it we did. We'll be talking about that win amongst other things as well as getting news from X and answering questions from patrons of the West Ham Way. Good evening, everyone. I hope you're all keeping well. Due to the poxy lockdown ruling, myself and X are doing the show remotely tonight, so do excuse a slight decrease in audio quality. Uh, expectations were high on Saturday, X, but did we meet those expectations for you? It's a really difficult one, isn't it? Because we won the game. Uh, obviously, in, we'll talk about the last few minutes of that game, I guess, in, in a bit more detail a bit. But, um, yeah, we won the game. I thought in the first half particularly, we created quite a few chances and played quite well. But we kind of never really set the world alight either. We were playing like a week, one of the weakest teams in the league. So it was a strange one. But at the end of the day, as a West Ham fan, a win's a win. You can't knock a win. Got another three points in the past. That's the sort of game that we probably wouldn't have won, um, especially given the fact, like I said, they got a penalty in the last minute. So I think all in all, if you'd offered me that a 1-0 win at the start, 
I would have taken it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to complain. We've played well against other teams. So let's just take a game where we haven't played as well, but still got the three points. Yeah, I think you've got to take it. I mean, I think it was a last week show. I said that I'd rather see us play badly and win than play well and lose. Yeah, and exactly. it, it's, so, it's so easy sometimes to look at a newly promoted club who have been spanked for the best part of the season and say, right, that game's an absolute banker. But really and truly, there are no bankers in the Premier League. That's why it's the best league in the world, because anyone can beat anyone. And they would have been motivated by their last win. They would have had confidence from that. And to be fair, it showed in their play. They were up for it. They wasn't scared to come to West Ham at all, and they gave us a game. I was disappointed to see, I suppose, how rushed our play was at times. I'd like to see this more on the ball and keep possession more so. I think we've actually done that better against the bigger clubs, which, again, comes down to the question that we've constantly asked ourselves, is the myth true that we only turn up against the big club? Because we did play or I want a better word against Fulham than we did against some of the big boys. But having said that, we did create some chances. Um, we've seen Hilaire's aerial threat as well. You know, when we do actually get some balls into the box, he does have presence there. And we'll come on to him in a second. Aaron Creswell, again, I thought was fantastic. As a team, um, it looked again like we wanted to turn up. I just felt that, I don't know, there was just something missing. It was lacking a little bit of fire uh, against Fulham, which was frustrating to a degree, but ultimately we got the win and, and surely that's the most important thing. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And that's perhaps why we might be different this season because I think under Pellegrini and possibly previous managers, we would have um, maybe not won that game. And so the fact that we have is hopefully a good sign. And I think you said it as well on last week's show, there's no point us getting results against Leicester and Wolves and teams like that if we're then going to not beat Fulham um, mm. so we've done the results against Leicester and Wolves and we've also won against Fulham now and we go to the Sheffield United game with them having uh, taken a big loss against Chelsea hopefully full of confidence and hopefully picking up another three points Yeah, I mean it's funny really because when you look at it, the, the overall reaction from West Ham fans was quite underwhelming as in that we've got the win I think that's probably a little bit harsh to be honest. I think we played a little bit better than people give us credit for. I mean, yeah, I it wasn't on fire, but at the end of the day, you know, we had a number of attempts in the first half. We wouldn't work twice. Do you know what I mean? Um, and like I say, they were up for it, uh, Fulham, and their goalkeeper made a number of saves. So I, I, I don't think it was a poor performance. I wouldn't have said that. But I, I just don't think that we was on fire to a degree that people might have thought we were, having played so well against teams that were so much better than Fulham. Yeah, I think you. I think you're spot on there, mate. I don't think we played that badly either. I mean, I must admit, when I got onto Twitter, I mean, I should never be shot, but what by what goes on Twitter? I haven't done this for eight years now. But when I when I went onto Twitter, I was a little bit like people are being really negative here. Mm. I, I like you said, we did hit. I thought Alaire was unlucky with his chance. Obviously, Cresswell mm. was unlucky with his, and so I. I you know, if either of those had gone in, you know, the score suddenly looks a lot different. So, yeah, I think and Bowen's chance as well. I mm. think, I think you're right. It's um, it's a bit harsh to say we didn't play well. We weren't at our best, perhaps granted, but I think we we did enough to deserve the three points, definitely. Yeah, we did, we did. A four now started over Ben Rama, and this was a big debate on last week's show as to whether he should do. Was he right to start over Ben Rama? Um. 
it's difficult, isn't it? Because Fernals has been nominated for Player of the Month. You yes. know, he's mm. he's he has contributed. He's got goals. He's got assists. I mean, what more do you want from someone to do? Get more. You know, he's getting the, he's getting the positive contributions at the other end. And you know, there's been other chances that he's created that perhaps we haven't taken that would have been other assists and so on, and a few goal scoring chances that he should have taken too. But you see the impact Ben Rama has. You know, he came on mm. and he set the goal up and I felt the team just seemed much more balanced with Ben Rama in the side. And yes, he gave away an annoying, probably stupid penalty. But if you do take that side out of it and you just concentrate on the, the positivity, you know, he, he got in that wing, we had that shot as well. I think it was a bit ambitious to shoot from that angle personally, but he still created that chance. I think the manager's got a big dilemma when we play Sheffield United as to which one to go with. And part of me, and I got a lot of stick for saying this. I got some people messaging me saying that he's been nominated for player of the month, but so you were wrong. But part of me still does go with the fact that I think I'd rather Ben Rama starts. And that is harsh on for now. I put my hands up. I think he's done well better than I probably thought he would have done this season. But, on, but I just feel more more confident with Ben Rama and I, and I don't know him I don't know him well enough I've not seen much of him but the team just seems more balanced yeah I totally agree and it's interesting because we did take quite a bit of stick for, for suggesting that on last week's show but they, they do bring different things to the game don't they and ultimately I think it depends on as a fan what you're looking for in the team that's going to fold your opinions and like you I'm big on balance and I think Ben Rama brings that and like you're saying about maybe, you know, an over-ambitious attempt from Ben Rama, I think we need players like that. I think we need more players that are going to have a go and, uh, and try different things and have the confidence to produce something fantastic. And he is that sort of player. He's skillful, he's entertaining, he's hungry, he, he's sharp. I mean, he looked match fit when he came on, I'll give him that. And you could just see every time we had the ball, he wanted the ball and he wants to attack constantly. And obviously he got the assist, which was brilliant. And I think, you know, him in comparison to Fournells, there isn't necessarily a wrong answer, which is why I think it's such a good debate, because Fournells, he brings energy, he brings enthusiasm. He, I believe, probably defends better from the front than, than Rama does. So there could be an argument as to, well, maybe it depends on who you're playing rather yeah. than who plays. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. Because I think a couple of people have said to me, and it's a good question, but I've always been very um, adamant that you don't change a winning team. Mm. However, some people have said, you know, would you play a different team for different class of opposition? You know, if we mm. play a big team like, you know, your Liverpools and... Arsenal and so on, Do you, are you better playing the system we have been playing? But then when we play teams like Fulham and maybe Sheffield United, are you better Are you better to then be more attacking against those teams who are, you know, who haven't got the quality of um, a Liverpool say? So I do... I do see that argument, definitely, because I do think certain games are suited to certain players. Like, I wouldn't want Ben Rama over Fornells if I'm expecting to defend more or perhaps needing someone to get a bit more stuck in and a bit more workmanlike. I think I'd rather Fornells then. But if I'm looking to score goals, great chances, which seems a bit hypocritical, not hypocritical, a bit harsh on Fornells, can see, seeing as he has done that. But I think I'd rather go Ben Rama. The system also doesn't help those two players because we now have a need to play three centre-halves. If we didn't have that need, we could play Fournells as a number 10 
and stick Ben Rama on the left, and then that's problem solved. Put the best of both worlds in. But mm. you know, we don't play that way. Um, so time will tell. But I mean, look, nominated for player of the month, um, been part of some great performances. Ben Rama's come on, got a, a, an assist. He looks really fresh. He looks exciting. You know, l- at least we've got that problem, which is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Um, Halea, there's almost like a weekly Halea watch now. Another opportunity was given to him because obviously Antonio's absent. Had a diabolical performance against Liverpool. I don't think there's any getting away from that. How did you see it against Fulham? Uh, I thought it was slightly better. I thought it was better against Fulham. I actually, believe it or not, actually went on Twitter to defend him, despite the the myth that I have this agenda <laughs> against him. I actually went on to Twitter to defend him because I saw he was getting loads of stick, uh, stick uh, often that was said that I've actually agreed with and hate to say it, but was one of the first people to start saying these things. But um, uh, I actually took to Twitter to defend him because I thought he wasn't as bad as he was against Liverpool. Not that that's really saying much, but I also thought he actually showed me a couple of times things I wanted to see. Now, people for months and months and months have given me sticks saying, he's not a physical player. Well, what I saw from the corner, when he, what was it, a corner across, can't remember, a corner, where he won that header and then he hit the bar. That is what I want to see from him. Mm. And he's shown in that incident that he can do it. So all these myths that he can't do it. He showed that he could. He got between two defenders, powered between them, won the header, a good header, and hit the bar of it and was unlucky. That is what I want to see from him, and he did it. I also saw him track him defending from the front at times as well. I saw him mm. running back along the line, chasing people down, and I also saw him going for a few challenges as well. That is what I want to see from him, and I saw that. I didn't see it as much as I'd like to have seen it, and I don't think... He was amazing, again, but it was certainly a big improvement. Now, if he scored that header against Fulham, I would have been like, uh, I would have been, uh, hit the bar, sorry, I'd have been like, that is what, that is it. That is what he needs to kick on, because that's what I want to see from him. At the moment, I almost feel like he plays not fully committed. Now, I'm not saying he does, he does or doesn't. It just feels like that at times. And I feel like he could make more of a presence in the box. And he and that header shows that he's got the physique to do it. And I want to see more of that. You know, I would keep him in the team against Sheffield United. I think Antonio, I'll say it in my section, is going to be available. But I would I would be cautious because of his hamstrings of, of racing him back too early. So I would still go with Valerie against Sheffield United. And I hope he can build on the Fulham performance because I do think it was better. Yeah, I'm a big believer that Hilaire needs games. And funnily enough, I just don't think he's going to get them. Because if we go into the international break now and Antonio's back for Sheffield United, I agree with you wholeheartedly. If if he's still a little bit sore or something ain't quite right, or even if he's 90% fit, his hamstring is a bit of a liability to him. You know, because even when he doesn't come off injured, he ends every single game with an ice pack on it. So there's vulnerability, vulnerability there, 100%. Um, so I don't think he's going to get a run of games, Hilaire, uh, because probably even at 95% fit, he will still go with Antonio, which is understandable because he's been that unbelievable for West Ham. But I definitely saw an improvement. I agree with that. I think uh, I think he did have some presence, actually. I think at times he did give Fulham a, a, a tough game. Um, he defended from the front a lot better. His work rate improved, which was good. And I think, he, he, you know, I felt sorry for him because he really could have done with a goal. I think he needs a goal. 
Definitely. On that note, I think it's really, really good in a way for West Ham that is now being called up for the Ivory Coast national team. Now, in some ways, that's not good because if the African nations start up again, then obviously we've got a, a risk that he's going to be away mm. for a couple of months um, whenever they're next due to be on. Um, but I think for me, he was never going to get in the French national team because, again, despite what people say, he's not good enough for the French national team. Um, especially with the, and the, I mean, and that's not a, that's not a massive criticism because France are the best nation in the world, and, and they've got um, forwards that are like, that are world class. But he wasn't going to get in their national team. So if he could get in the Ivory Coast team, which you know Ivory Coast are arguably traditionally one of the better African teams, if he can get in their team and start scoring goals for them in this international week that's coming up, then I think that'll be a massive like like you've just said, I think he needs goals. And I think if he can if he can score for our Ivory Coast, that will really help because it'll be his you know his debut for them plus the goal be good for the confidence. Mm. Bonner got taken off for Isadio after pulling up with what the manager thought might have been an injury. His reaction to that decision raised some eyebrows as he threw his gloves to the floor, failed to acknowledge the when he came on and then stormed down the tunnel. What did you make of that? Well, I, I, this was going to be in my section, but I'll sort of say a bit now. I won't say what the injury is yet because I haven't got much for my section, so I'll roll it over. But in terms of the reaction, um, to be honest with you, I wasn't that bothered by it because firstly, I, I know the context. There's two contexts. First of all, he felt like he he start he felt the injury when he when it was that clash with um the keeper and Mitrovic, I think it was or whoever it was, and which he felt was a foul, and then he went and took out one of their players, didn't he? So I think I think he was already on edge at the fact that he shouldn't have been fouled like he was, and then he knew that he'd done an injury. So he was frustrated in that respect, but also doubly frustrated because he'd just been recalled to the Italian national team. Mm. So he knew that that meant that he was probably going to miss that call up. And he was right because he's been taken out of the Italian national team now. And I think having been out of their squad for a while now, he was just, he was like, he was just delighted to actually get back into it. And um, mm. I like to see that frustration. Of course, ideally you want him to shake the player's hand as he's going off, but I want players to be gutted that that's happened. I want them to want to play. I want them to have that kind of passion. So I don't really care that he did that, to be honest with you, mate, yeah. especially given the context of it. Yeah, yeah, make you right. You want to see it. That's what that's what we love to see in Paolo Di Canio when he used to yeah. storm off for the same reason. You want that yeah, passion. Yeah. You want players to care. Um, I don't... I, I don't think it was right that he didn't shake the ops hand at least. Whatever frustrations you've got going on, that's the one issue that I had because you've got a player coming on and I don't think that's ideal. Um, but having said that, I otherwise completely understand. And I wanted to talk to you about that because I have seen some concerns about that on social media and I think it's important to clear that up because I think quite a lot of people wouldn't know um, the context behind that, especially with the Italian national team. Mm. Um Aaron Creswell has really made this centre-half position his own. I mean, it's yeah. incredible. When you look at the fact that we also have Bonner, Diop, Buelbuena, Dalton, and maybe even Wright is required, do you think we still need to strengthen there come January? That's a good question, actually. Um, I don't know. It depends how much budget we're going to be given for transfers. Knowing us, probably not a lot. So with that in mind... I think maybe not because you're right. You've listed players there. You've also got young players. You know, you've got mm. Elise, you've got Baptiste. You know, there, there are other players that could 
could play there. Um, and so probably not. I mean, Crestwell's been a revelation. There, there was Massively. talk on match of the day this this week of him being called up to the England squad. And it's, you know, if he'd said that a month, maybe two months ago, you'd have said that's ridiculous. But actually, mm. the way he's playing, no, because not only is he defending well, but he's also creating as well. Mm. He's creating chances. Um, and I'm really, really pleased for him, really pleased because he's a lovely fella, really, really nice guy, really popular within, within the club has been a great servant to us you know he's been here a long time now um and I, and he always sort of turns out every week um no matter what west ham fans have given him a lot of stick over recent years um mm. unjustifiably i think in some ways because yes that left back he was exposed and probably should have been dropped but we were very 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 quick to use the system to pro- protect Alaire. You know, people are forever saying the system doesn't suit Alaire. But my point, and I made it on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, is why did we not offer Cresswell the same protection in terms of the system? Because clearly... Yeah, uh, agree with that. You don't agree with that? No. In what respect? Not for a left-back. I think a left-back is a left-back. Oh, no, but that's my point, you're, mate. You're, de- you're defending, don't you? If you're Hilaire, you need a system that can attack effectively and provide service to that. No, but that's my point, mate. He didn't play. My point is we we were arguably playing Cresswell out of position because he has shown that he can play left centre back and play really well there, you know, and he has done. And yet we were prepared to say he was shit and that he needed to be sold, but he was at left back. But really, maybe it was the system that he should have been in the centre back three and had someone else alongside him to protect him. Maybe you could argue last year when it was just the four, the left winger, which was what Anderson and Fornells at times didn't give give him enough protection at left back. I think you can argue the latter. I think that's a fair argument about the lack of protection he would have received as a left back. Um, but I'm not too sure about that. I mean, it's freakish, really, how... And credit has to be given to Moyes, without a doubt. The conversation must have taken place with Creswell to whether he feels comfortable going centre-half. And the fact well, if you remember, Moyes played him there in his previous spell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, look, I mean, between the two of them, they've worked it out and established the fact that he can do a dog there. And credit has to go to Moyes especially, but Aaron for saying, yeah, Gaffer, I can play there. However, he has spent his entire career at left-back, which included a hammer-of-the-year performance at left-back. Now, he was a great left-back at that time. And since his injury, I don't think he's been the same player at left-back. So I think naturally he can play there. It's just that in, in in a freakish kind of unexplainable way, He's doing an even better job at centre-half. I mean, everything about him, physically, the way he naturally plays the game at left. I've always thought that he was a, um, a naturally uh, left-sided fullback. That, that, that's how I've always seen him. And again, I go back to the, the year he won Hammer of the Year. And outstanding. He was um, championship player, player of the year when he played for Ipswich in that position. I think that is his natural position. But he's playing incredibly well in a back three when I certainly wouldn't have called it. And most West Ham fans wouldn't have called it. And it's just one of those kind of strange scenarios, really. But I'm not sure you can put protection on him for the system letting him down for his underperformances because he's played in pretty much identical systems and he's become, you know, team of the year and one hammer of the year. 
Yeah, but he wasn't uh, on the back of a, a serious injury and going into his 30s when he did that. He, you know, which is what he is now. Um, and, you know, look at Steve Potts. Steve Potts started his career at right back, played there for many a year, and then converted to centre back almost identically to Aaron Cresswell, both quite short, both quite quick fullbacks that then moved to centre-back and then look how much better Steve Potts became as a centre-back as well you know like you, I, I think I just I just like I said I just think it, there's an inconsistency amongst West Ham fans in terms of which players are bought time and which ones are not you know like I think you, you, you know there's certain players that just seem to be immune to criticism and certain players that seem to get it and that was the point I was making but to go back to Aaron Cresswell I think He's been brilliant. I, I really do. I mean, if he was to pick hammer of the year right now, he's got to, which is a question I think later on in the section, so we, mm. we won't do it. But I think he has got to be a, a serious contender, and I, and I, I think that's really good for us because, like you said, the need to sign a centre back isn't as great because you've got Diop and Dawson that can't get in a team now. Remember Diop. You know, I can't really say much about Dawson, although I have heard that he is very popular as well. Apparently, the players really like him and they think he's really good as well. Although, said he's been a bit of a rock in training, but you've got to remember, Issa Diop was linked with Manchester United, Spurs, mm. talk of him being a 50 million pound player, and he can't even get in our team. So, so the argument of whether we need to sign another. Um, Centre back, I'd probably say we don't at this point because mm. I think we've got enough as it is. You know, I think we need another striker because I think Antonio is injury prone. Alaire, you could argue, is not performing as much as you'd like him to. So I think we need maybe another striker. I think we probably need maybe one more creative midfielder. Um, and then you know, I think that's probably probably what we need. But um, I think West Ham now needs to go to recruitment where we put all our money into one or two players rather than spreading our money out now. Yeah, I think it's a really tough one, you know, when it comes to the recruitment now in January and maybe even going into the summer because I do think we've got some centre-halves that are performing very well and we've got cover for those players as well. I don't think it's the crisis that everybody thought it was. I think everyone assumed it would be because we've taken a left-back and put him centre-half and thought, well, we're literally just Fred Bear at the moment and we're just, you know, um, putting a plaster over the wound. But it's actually turned out to be a fantastic move and he has been incredible. But in terms of attacking players, I don't know really because, you know, again, if you look at the system, we have two central box-to-box midfielders there. In my opinion, if one of those get injured or suspended, then we're fucked because we don't have a like-for-like Thomas Tuchek or Declan Wright. Whereas, you know, if we lose four hours, Ben Rama can come in. You know, Jared Bowen, yeah, I mean, if he goes, you know, Malenko maybe, I don't know. I understand what you're saying about Hilaire, but at the same time, what striker are you going to sign? And the reason I ask that question is, Antonio is the crown jewels of West Ham at the moment. He can't do anything wrong. Outstanding player. Hilaire is our marquee £45 million signing. So whoever we sign, unless we're going to sign an absolute well-bid for 50, 60, 70 million, which we're not, knows that he isn't going to start over Antonio. So what player, realistically, are we going to get? Is it going to be another European plant like a Jetty, who has a good goal-scoring record in Austria or one of these countries, and then he plays three times and we never see him again because he isn't good enough? Because ultimately, that player is going to come in to probably be third choice. Whoever it is needs to be in a similar mode to Antonio, though, in the sense mm. that they are a harrier run-around 
pacey, that sort of thing, so that so that the system or whatever it is, I've never heard that word used so much in football, you know, since this season with West Ham. Mm. But because uh, yeah, we fucking so, got one for once, that's why. Well, maybe, but um, for Antonio to be like someone in that mould, you know, like I'm trying to think of someone that that I can that would be similar, and I can't. <laughs> that would be realistic, yeah. but you know, like Vardy, for example, Vardy would be able to play in our system because again, he's pacey, although he's getting on about he harries the defence, and you know, he's always on the, keeping them on their toes someone like him and obviously that they must be out there because Vardy was picked up from lower leagues just someone like that they don't even have to be the most technical because Antonio is not the most technical but they need to be the they need to have similar characteristics as what he's got so that if Antonio does have hamstring injuries which I think inevitably he will then we have a light for light replacement I just don't think you get any time at West Ham this is so pressurising playing for West Ham United, you know that? Because I think if you have two or three bad games, the fans are on your back, they're all slagging you off on social media, um, another player comes in. Um, you know, we've seen it so many times before. You know, Perez, for example, when he played for West Ham, I think that there was more to him than, than we gave him credit for. But because yeah. he didn't absolutely rip it up and hit the ground running and consistently play well for five, six, seven, eight games and scoring in this many, I mean, again, I know it's a, it's a boring debate now, you could still argue that Hilaire's been written off by so many too early on. You know, when he hasn't had a full, full, proper run of games, a full-on season. So I think taking that into account, realistically, if you go to a player from the lower leagues that no one's heard of, or you go overseas to a player that no one's heard of, how many opportunities are they going to get in the first team? And how well are they going to perform in those opportunities before we cut the losses once again and say, oh, we weren't good enough, and then he ends up a fucking real bet in 12 months' time. I think yeah. it's so hard, mate. The recruitment at West Ham, I think, is so difficult. And that's why we've done it incredibly well recently. Again, credit to David Moyes. Subcheck, outstanding. Chufal, looks really good. Jarrah Bowen, excellent. And some of the things that he's adapted within West Ham as well since he's been here, look at Mugo when he was here, that conversion to striker, outstanding. Turning Creswell from in my opinion, a consistently underperforming left-back to an overperforming, outstanding centre-half that's now been linked with England. I mean, David Moyes, again, we've got to go back to, to saying how much credit he deserves. But from a recruitment perspective, mate, I think it's tough. I really do. Yeah, definitely. I mean, David Moyes has done a good job for West Ham. There's no two ways about it now. You know, I know we both had our, our doubts when he was appointed um, and probably thought it was a backward step. But I think it can't be argued. Now, if you're judging it up to this point, which is obviously all we have, he has done a good job at West Ham. He's kept West Ham up uh, after lockdown, turned the team around, mm. and we're playing well this season. And, you know, I, I, I think I think he, he's done it. Like you say, he's done really well at getting out of form players back in form. You know, Cresswell, Antonio are the obvious examples. Ogbonna, yes, he was playing well anyway, but he's just carried on playing well. Um, and I think... Balbuena has started to look a bit better since he's came back into the team as well. So these players are are being made um, to play well again by Moyes. And I, I think he is doing a good job. I think you're right on recruitment. Perhaps the option is to get a younger player than a younger player that you are going to buy some time with to develop rather than established. I mean, I think the problem Hilaire's got and 
it's not uh, it's not his fault because he can't determine how much people pay for him. But he came with a forty five million pound price tag, mm. so certainly me and others are expecting mm. more for that. Whereas mm. if you pay like five to ten million for a younger player that's like twenty one, twenty two, and you're saying, look, he's not the finished article, but we're going to give him, you know, get him in the club. You know, he's going to be back up to those two. You play here and there. You know, you can you can buy him a bit more time. Um, and maybe that's what we need to do. You know, maybe it's another Czech player that would be linked with a Czech, a young Czech striker. Maybe it should be him, give him some time to develop, or someone that is, you know, in the lower leagues that, that can. I mean, look at look at Ollie Watkins. I mean, you must be kicking yourself with your fancy <laughs> football stuff, but uh, you know, if you're in out, shake it all about tactic. With your, but uh, but you know, he scored two good goals at the weekend. Um, yeah. yeah. And he looks like a really good forward. You know, he was playing for mm. Brentford. You know, Ben Rama was there. You know, Malpai at Brighton. Uh, all right, he hasn't done as much this season. But there, there's forwards out there. Like I mentioned, Vardy. You, you, you go, you go through the Premier League. There's people there. Charlie Austin, not Charlie Austin. Um, what's his face? Danny Ings. You know, um, that have that have played lower league and they, they are out there. Mm. You just got to have the right recruitment to get the right one. And that's why we have to get a really well-respected, high-quality scouting network in place. Because, you know, I know David Moyes, we've joked before, has, has got to watch games and, and he makes a decision based on one performance and then walks away and decides he doesn't want to sign a player if they don't play well enough. But, you know, in the day, it shouldn't be down to him to manage the football club and coach these players on a daily basis and then get round to as many teams in the country as possible to draw up a chocolate all by himself. It's just fucking ludicrous. You expect that from a Sunday league team. As a Premier League outfit, you need a solid structure in place with a clear strategy from top to bottom as to how you're going to run a football club. With a key part of that being the recruitment is something that Southampton have got right so well in recent times. Leicester City, exactly the same. We need to follow that sort of model because then you're paying experts to go and bring these players to you rather than trying to hit pot luck or hoping that Suchet gives you another blinding recommendation. Whilst we've done well, really, against old signing players recently, we are still going about it in the wrong way. We need to have a solid shortlist drawn up by experts that are given to us well in advance of a deadline day because that's another thing that winds me up. We seem to fucking try and sign all these players uh, that have mysteriously appeared in our shortlist at the 11th hour, and then we all get the ump when either we don't sign the player or we make a panic buy who rocked in the reserves for fucking six months. You know, it's it's ludicrous. So David Moyes needs more support. Um, that's something that we've got to look at going forward. But otherwise, you know, I, I totally agree. I've said it many times on the show. It, it is the most challenging area, recruitment without a shadow of a doubt, but we do have to go for young hungry players. Um, I make you right, especially in this country, it has to be championship players, for example, that are scoring goals, that are working hard, that are developing that reputation that can potentially prove in the Premier League. These are the players with the right attitude we need to be targeting now. Definitely. I mean, the thing is, so 
you, you look at those players that we've tried to say at the last hour in terms of recruitment, some of these players that we've been close to signing, and look where they are now. If you look at Bat Shuai, I mean, he hasn't really done much really since playing um, in the Premier League. Um, mm. Scott Hogan, look at him. His mm. fans were gutted when we didn't sign him. Mm. Went to Aston Villa, he's now playing for Birmingham. I think I'm not really setting the world light. Then Donka, you know, Wolves, people were gutted when we missed out on him. He's not really getting in their team. So well, people the, went mad when we missed out on Benteco. I remember yeah. people were absolutely fuming. Fuck me, I don't even know if he scored in the last three years. He's got a terrible goal-scoring record. Yeah, exactly. So these last-minute signings are never great. You're right, they need to be sometimes, like your Shefels or Sue Checks, the players that people haven't heard of that are going to prove themselves. I mean, those players that, if you was to pick a team of players in the Premier League now that have been signed from lower leagues, um, mm. uh, you can make a phenomenal team. Like, yeah, you know, across there, I mean, you look at people like Vardy, Delhi Alley, um, you know, Carl Walker was playing lower leagues. You know, Eze's gone into Palace and seems to be doing a decent job there. You know, there, there's just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds mm. of them. I mean, even if you look in the England team, you go through the England team, a lot of those players, you know, have played at, at lower levels. Madison, you know, he's another one that's been in lower leagues and stuff like that they are definitely definitely out there you just got to sign mm. the right one john stones you know yes he's not in the man city team at the moment but he was playing for barnsley at one point um i, I could literally list hundreds hundreds of players that are in the premier league that have come from lower leagues so you just got to get the right ones um yeah. and you know in the past when you know f- signings were more you know you didn't sign players from abroad really and if you did it was like you know it was a, a big thing you know when you look at West Ham's team that won the cup in the 1980s or that won the cup in the, and the European trophies in 65 and so on they had barely any pl- big name foreign players they're all local lads that like made their way up through the youth team or were 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 um you know were there uh in the sort of lower leagues or so on and made their way to West Ham. Look at Alan Devonshire, you know, he, he he's signed for £5,000. And I know that things are different in those days, but he arguably one of West Ham's best ever players. Bobby Moore, local lad. Trevor Brookin, local lad. Billy Bond signed from Charlton. Um, you know, that Jeff Peters, uh, Jeff Peters, Jeff Hurst, Martin Peters, both came through the, the ranks, you know, um, mm-hmm. th- there's so many. Julian Dix picked up from Birmingham. You know, I know it's a different, era of well, football. Well, it is. That's the problem. Isn't it? I know it is a different era, but they must still be out there. You know, you, you can't suddenly go from being able to have a really competitive team based on picking up bargains here, there and everywhere the, the, to not be able to do it. And it's not, it's not a discrimination thing. It's not saying don't sign foreign players. Do sign foreign players. And look how good Shifal's been. I mean, he's been brilliant. I really like him. Look how good um, Suchek's been. Again, re, you know, I really like him as well. So they're out there in the other leagues as well, but maybe you've got to aim for those players that aren't your, your established ones like Alaire, who was scoring in the top division of Germany for a big team. Maybe you've got to look for those ones at West Ham's level that to bring in, because like you've said before, if you're signing a top player from abroad or a player that was a top player and maybe is on the decline, what is their motivation to come to yeah. West Ham? Their yeah. motivation to come to West Ham is financial, yeah. you would say, whereas if you're signing some 
someone like Chafel or uh, Suchek, yes, their motivation is going to be financial because they're going to be making more money, but their more motivation is going to be to play for a bigger team and establish themselves. You know, Ben Rama moved to West Ham because he wants a bigger club than Brentford. You know, so I think that is where we should target our recruitment, definitely. Yeah. No, I make you right, mate. I make you right. Uh, look, going back to the Fulham game, we cannot talk about that game without talking about the Lookman penalty. Yeah. I mean, what the fucking hell was he thinking? I mean, Jesus, I was so happy and I was laughing so much. But what's Me going too. through his head? Oh, mate, it's crazy. What he wants to do is he's got that that penalty in the last minute, literally last kick of the game. And what he's thinking is, if I do that penalty and it goes in, everyone's going to, A, it's going to cause so much attention and say, oh, what composure from a young lad. You know, my God, look how calm he was under pressure. And it's going to steal the headlines, isn't it, if it goes in. Um, but thankfully for us, he made an absolute fucking pig's ear of it and it was terrible i mean like you i was cracking up i was like oh my god i cannot believe it uh, you know what it would have been really interesting the ball wouldn't have hit the back of the net you know if it had gone in it just had so little power it would have dropped over the line and maybe span back into play i think like it was it was yeah. so so poor and thank god he did it mate because i would I'd have been absolutely gutted if we'd thrown away those points in in those circumstances and can you imagine being him and having to walk into that dressing room and also can you imagine if he was a west ham player oh god oh. what would what twitter would have done to him Seriously, man. oh god mate if it was hilarious <laughs> done it or if it, yeah can you imagine he would have been oh my god i dread to think you you may even have got the Hilaire cult saying a negative word to him on that. <laughs> so, like, but you can imagine if it was like, you know, Cresswell when the fans were against him, or mm-hmm. you know, anyone at like, you know, Andy Carroll, any, you know, someone like that. My God, the abuse they would have got on Twitter. I tried to think. Thank God he plays for Fulham, and I think Fulham fans will probably just let him get away with it. But you know, it was it was a disastrous penalty. My God, and thank God he did it against us, mate. Thank God. I oh, know. I mean, Scotty Parker did what every manager should have done, really, in public. And you don't want to have to slaughter your player for doing that. He said, you know, he's young, naive, he's made a mistake, he's got to learn from it. But, I mean, that's that's one hell of a mistake to make. Because that's the sort of penalty that you should be taking when you're two or three nil up. Yeah, and exactly. that, 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 you've got to, listen, and people miss penalties. It, you've got to blast it or you've got to place it. Either way, there's a good chance you might score, a good chance you might miss there's more of a chance I think you'll miss by doing something stupid like that. And he should have known that. And I'll tell you what, I don't care how old he is. If I would have been a teammate of his, I would have fucking slaughtered him in that dressing room. Because that, for me, was was arrogance. And you're quite right. I think in his mind, he is thinking about the headlines. He is thinking about the attention. And that arrogance that comes with that, you know, it's a shame for him because I think he was probably full of the best player. I thought he looked really dangerous at times. Yeah. Um, but, oh, mate, I tell you, I just couldn't believe it. But that's, um, that's, that was unforgivable. And do you know what? Imagine if Fulham get relegated by a point. I oh, know yeah. it's horrendous, isn't it? It's um, horrendous. Like, and like the thing is, like you said, if you take a penalty and you miss it, or you the keeper saves it, or whatever. At least, it, yeah, it happens. If you've taken it properly, it's always the keeper that comes out with the massive amount of praise, and you just say, look, yeah, it was a decent penalty, even the keeper guessed right. But when you do that, all blame is on the player. You know, like, Fabian, I could have saved that, mate. I'm five foot seven, you're coming into my 40s and way overweight. But I would have <laughs> I would have saved that penalty because I wouldn't have moved. I'd have stood there because I can't dive, and it would have hit me. So, mm. I like, literally anyone could have saved that. I think our kids 
kids can have saved that, mate. You know, I've got I've got a boy who's not even two yet. I think because he's so attracted to footballs, he'd have he would have saved it because he'd have been he would have been trying to get the ball. You know, yeah. that's how bad a penalty it was. And yeah. oh god, I'd hate to be in his mindset going into oh. that dressing room and, and then having to you know the fact it's an international break as well is a killer for him because had there been a game mm. three days three days later and he'd maybe scored a good goal in it or put in a decent performance he might be able to buy himself you know to a bit of turning around that but the fact they've got two weeks to dwell on that now that, that's that's got to be tough you wouldn't want to be him no that's a good point that's a good point but yeah for our sake thank god he did do that yeah um, god that win takes us to 12th in the table, just a couple of points away from Everton in seventh. Uh, speaking of tables, X had a good weekend in a Premier League predictions competition, bagging himself 140 points, which takes you to 62nd in the league, mate. So that's very respectable. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing all right at the moment. And to be fair, it's frustrating though because good total by me, but you also did well, so I didn't mm-hmm. really pull away from you. I think what was about like eight points better than you, That's sixteen right. points, eight points, was it? Yeah, yeah. which is just nothing in terms of prediction points. It's like not even worth having almost eight points. So, so it was really mm-hmm. frustrating. What was frustrating? It was the Liverpool Man City game. I called it as one all, and I was really pleased with myself. And I checked, <laughs> and you had as well. I was like, for God's sake, stop it! Like. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Ha- happy to still be sitting up there. But you know, you you yeah. are on my tail. Yeah, I, I am. I mean, when you look at the fact that I had a really good weekend last weekend, and I think I've done well. Like you say, I was eight points behind you. I've got 132 points in total. A little bit disappointed to see that that only leaves me 105. You know, I'd like to have broken into the top 100 there. Um, but there is now a gap between us of 61 points, which, as you know. If you correctly get a West Ham score, that's 80 points. So, yeah, exactly. in theory, you're only one prediction away, but obviously it can go either way, as we know. Uh, it's more in- fun being this close, to be honest with you, yeah, like, to- yeah. towards the end of the season where, um, you know, COVID took over and everything was mm-hmm. so unpredictable and I fell away. <laughs> then um, it was really disappointing. It really was to just because it was kind of almost irrelevant. The last kind of three or four weeks, so far behind, I couldn't catch it. But now yeah. each result is that much more significant. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, in terms of the West Ham Way fantasy football competition, I got 55 points at the weekend and X got 61, leaving a gap now of 23 points between Which us. Again, it's not much, mate. It's not much. No. You know, it's a couple of goals, basically, from a player mm. and an assist. I mean, again, I found your team really irritating. You seem to be able to do something that's irritating every single time, every single week. I just need to, I just need to load it up just so I can remember what the irritation was. Um, uh, I mean, what was that? I don't know what you're going to say. Oh, Chilwell got his standard eight points again, yeah. which was, yeah, which was bloody sign, annoying. Yeah, I mean, to be, yeah, yeah, but he didn't. Yeah, he starts for you now. Sorry, bloody should do, to be fair. But he, he always started to you regardless. What was frustrating for me is that I had Suchek on the bench, got nine points, which oh. is bloody annoying. Um, so, yeah, that 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 was my frustration. I brought Lacazette in, got two points, and Suchek got nine points. So I'd have actually been better off <coughs> not not changing Ings for Lacazette and, and bringing in Suchek, which is frustrating. But, yeah, I'll take the fact that I'm in the lead of both in both games now, but... 
but yeah. they're both both very very close. So yeah, know, I can't I can't get cocky because they are both very very close. A bit like everything we do, mate. Our squash games are always very very close. Well, they used uh, to but be, until I've become much better than you. But yeah. No, because I won the last game. So you know, <laughs> yeah, well, last, yeah. lost the previous twelve. We won the last. No, one. no, no. I think <laughs> overall, I think overall we were balanced. Probably. I oh, think funny I, there. No, no. I think we were genuinely. I think I won the first maybe three or four. You won the next. Um, Ten lot of, no, not that many. And then I won one. So I think we're I think we're equal. Um, so yeah, it's just obviously very, very, um, very, comp- very equal in all our strengths. Maybe it comes with having the, the same birthday, perhaps. You know, yeah, true. Yeah. Maybe it's to do with that. But um, obviously, yeah. you you got you got Both the height. Yeah, you got the height though, and I didn't. You definitely won on that, but um, <laughs> I, I got the bigger dick, so I guess that's that's that. That evens that out as well. It's just on your head. I knew you were gonna say that. <laughs> I, I crossed it in. I crossed it in, and that was that was for you to finish. So um, yeah, <laughs> brilliant. Okay, right, it's that time again. To listen to the rest of this podcast, you need to be a patron of the West Ham Way. Becoming a patron couldn't be easier. Just visit www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash the West Ham Way and confirm your subscription to get full access to the West Ham Way podcast, our second weekly show called the West Ham Way podcast, Extra Time, classic clips of audio and video interviews, exclusive news from X, match day team news before anyone else, an exclusive forum, live Q&As with myself and X, monthly prize draws, discounts on events and merchandise and behind the scenes content, all of which for just £5 a month. Support for the West Ham Way is brought to you by Manscaped. Who are the best in below-the-waist men's grooming? Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. (laughs) It's time to create your own story for your new handsome-looking Corey. (laughs) Let your bollocks shine just like mine. The Manscaped engineering team has perfected the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created and just released the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 in the UK. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. And when I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes. So if you're a bit of a Chewbacca, you can take a longer shave and the waterproof technology also allows you to groom in the shower. Uh, One of the best features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trim. And they've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM Quiet stroke technology, <laughs> so you will no longer sound like you're shaving with a chainsaw. Uh, if you're listening to me now, I want you to experience this for yourself. Uh, the grooming products, I mean, not, not shaving with a chainsaw. Um, get 20% off and free shipping with the code WEST at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use the code WEST to make your testies your besties. And remember, lads, the shorter the grass, the bigger the tree. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a drama coach to be an IT guy. Yeah, I'm having trouble logging in. I'm not buying it. Say it again. This time with feeling. I can't log in? Come on, man. I want to feel your struggle. 
But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Now, like your life depends on it. I can't log in. Yes, we'll make an actor out of you yet. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. It's Macy's Labor Day sale, so gear up as summer cools down with 30% off timeless looks from Levi's and specials like 30 to 50% off statement-making shoes for her and 60% off luggage from Samsonite and more. Or use your coupon or Macy's card and get an extra 20% off more great deals. Plus, Star Rewards members can earn rewards even faster during Macy's Star Money bonus days. Going on now. Savings off regular sale and clearance prices. Exclusions apply. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.